chance I don't know the names of everybody in here. I know there are a few visitors, folks that I'm, I know by sight. Maybe I don't know your name. don't know your middle name for sure. But I know this about you. You like to be chosen. I like to be chosen. We went to that OEC banquet Friday night, and we didn't get chosen. Didn't call my name, didn't call Sonia's name, didn't call the church name. I went and for the church, thought, hey, we'll get a gas cooker or something. We got, well, we got, actually, we got four or five t-shirts and some hats and, you know, some freebies and things like that. So we, we made a dinner of it. It was okay. But all of us, an arena full of people, were waiting to be chosen because we like to be chosen. Reminds me of a, a friend that I had in grade school and you have to understand, I grew up in Moore. Moore was where I had my grade school years, and huge school. Well, they had this monster big, almost square mile playground. And one of the things we had to do was go out and play. You know, they, they insist you go out on recess. I can't imagine why, but they insist you leave the building. And all of us are out there playing. Well, if, they, if we kind of teamed up and had a game, the teachers, they just insisted everybody got to play. So if we wanted to play kickball, if we wanted to play dodgeball, if we wanted to play, we had this game called Kill the Man with the Ball. Anybody know what that is? Now, that was a rough game. But if you played anything, everybody had to play. And there was always these one or two kids that would kind of say, oh, I don't want to play. And they had to go over by the fence because everybody had to stand on the fence to get chosen, you know. And the two most popular kids, like it was Steve and Bill, the two most popular biggest kids, they'd be the captains. They'd always be the team captains. And Bill would say, I want this one. And Steve would say, I want that one. And Bill would say, I want this one. And, 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 and there was this one boy. He was one of my good friends. But his name was Creighton. And he wasn't the most athletic young man. Well, let's put it like this. He was on the chubby side, okay? And he wasn't real fast. He wasn't real... He was almost always the last one chosen. In fact, sometimes between Bill and Steve, you take Creighton. We don't want Creighton. Creighton always goes out first. It was... He never got chosen. And the, you could see him just deflate as the different ones. Even the girls were getting picked before him. And you could just see him begin to deflate over there beside the fence. Until one day... It was an interesting day. I remember it like it was yesterday because Steve and Bill were both gone for some reason. I don't know what it was. They were in reform school or something. I don't know what. But they weren't there. And, and so somebody else got to be the team captains. And I remember this so clearly because this first team captain stands up and, and, and this first team captain looks around and there's Creighton over here by the fence like this. And out of the wild blue, he says, I'll take Creighton on my team. And it was like somebody was putting air in a pumped tire. You know, tires going. He starts to walk over there, and all of a sudden, he's standing up straighter. He gets over there, and he's standing there beside that team captain. And that one who was just this almost a mouse of a, now he's standing up tall because he's been chosen. Not only that, I was chosen first. You could see it in his face. It was countenance just changed because he was chosen. I want to tell you, we all love to be chosen. And we're going to find today in the story of a man who was chosen by the Lord. If you would open your Bibles with me to Mark chapter number 2. <clears throat> We've been going through the book of Mark together. And uh, we're going to pick up right where we left off in Mark chapter 2, verse number 13. We're going to see today a story of the calling of a man named Levi, but you're also going to see... A picture of salvation may not be the, the picture that we normally see, but I can tell you that all of us came to the Lord the way that this man has come 
to the Lord. So in Mark chapter 2, you read silently as I read aloud, and we'll read verses 13 through 17 together. So Mark chapter 2, verse 13. And he went out again by the seashore, and all the multitude were coming to him, and he was teaching them. And as he passed by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting in the tax office. And he said to him, follow me. And he rose and followed him. And it came about that he was reclining at the table in his house. And many tax gatherers and sinners were dining with Jesus and his disciples, for there were many of them, and they were following him. And when the scribes of the Pharisees saw that he was eating with the sinners and tax gatherers, they began saying to his disciples, Why is he eating and drinking with tax gatherers and sinners? And hearing this, Jesus said to them, It is not those who are healthy who need a physician, but those who are sick. I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we ask for your blessing upon the reading and the study of your word. And Father, as we work our way through this chapter, I pray for us that we would hear your voice speaking through the voice of this preacher. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Now, if we kind of just set the stage very quickly, Jesus, it was another day, kind of what you might think of a normal day in the life of Jesus. He was out teaching, he was preaching, a multitude had come to him, hundreds, possibly thousands of people were with him. And he had spent the day, doesn't say how much of the day, but he had spent the day ministering to a, a, a multitude. And then on his way back, he's coming back from maybe he was out in the, in the edge of town, maybe he was out on the seashore. It does say he was by the seashore. And so he's coming back into the town, and as he's passing by, this Jesus who was ministering to all, this Jesus who was ministering to a multitude, still had time for the one. That is, he's going by, and there's Levi, the tax man, sitting in the tax custom, the booth. It says there in, in verse 14 in the tax office. He's got a little table set up there. It's, it's one of those places everybody hates to go, you know. It's one of those, it's got a little sign underneath it that says, we're from the government, we're here to help. You know, it's that kind of a place. And so everybody kind of just wants to ignore that, but, but it, Jesus passes by. Now, I want you to keep that, uh, that phrase on the sticky side of your mind. We'll get back to that at the end of the message today. But I want us, as we go through these verses today, to see several things that Jesus did and then the reaction or the response to those things that Jesus did. Because Jesus, first of all, in verse 14, the first thing I want you to see that Jesus did was Jesus called Levi. Look at it in verse 14 again. It's just, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax office, and he said to him, follow me. Seemingly out of the blue. I mean, it was just, he's, Jesus just passing by. Here's this whole crowd of people walking by. There's this man in the middle that everybody's wanting to talk to. And this man, as he's passing by, just looks maybe right in the eyes of Levi and says, follow me. I mean, wham! It just happened. There was no preamble. There was no small talk. There was none of this, hi, I'm Jesus of Nazareth. I'll be your Savior today. None of that. He just, follow me. No warning, no special obvious reason. You know, Levi hadn't merited this, he hadn't earned this, but it was God's will, it was in God's time, and at this God-given opportunity, Jesus said, follow me. And possibly the most surprising thing in the entire chapter that we'll find is that Levi obeyed. He got up and followed Jesus. He closed up his tax books, he closed down the tax office, and he followed Jesus. And as far as we can tell, he never went back to that old life. He never went back to his old uh, ways, his old profession. Levi saw the chance to follow Jesus, and he took it. But now, let's turn to another thing that Jesus did. 
that was, it was more surprising to the people then than, than Levi following, that that was the second thing is that Jesus welcomed Levi. Look at verse 15. And it came about that he was reclining at the table in his house. He went over to Levi's house to eat. Now you say, well, what's the big deal about that? I mean, he was over to, to eat with the Levi and his associates. Why is that such a big deal? Well, for us to really understand the impact of this, we have to have a little bit of history of that time. Because this was a nation, Israel at that time, the Hebrew people were under the occupation of the Roman Empire. Which means we still kind of have a nation, but not really. We kind of still are our own little group, but not really, because the Romans can come in and make us do things. The Romans, Roman rule, Roman taxes, Roman laws. And then among that, see the way Rome made this work is they would hire locals. They would go in and, and the people would call them collaborators. The people who were doing it would call them, hey, we're just helping out, right? But there were these people who would work for the Romans. They were the, the tax collectors or the ones who would do the census workers, different things like that. They'd hire local people collaborators, if you will. It was uh, those who enforced the taxes and the rules and laws for the Romans. So like we find Zacchaeus later on, Levi was one of those people. And by his own people, by his own nation, he would have been seen as a traitor and probably as a thief because oftentimes the tax man did kind of take a little off the top. He'd say, Rome just raised the taxes. You had to, everybody give 20% more. Well, guess what? Rome didn't say a thing about that. The tax man was just needing a new Maserati or whatever. A new, a new camel, whatever. So the reaction to this, he's overeating at the house of this tax gatherer, and the reaction is, hey, 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 Rabbi Jesus, hey, Jesus, Rabbi, hey, <clears throat> don't you know who these people are? These, are? these are tax gatherers, and these are sinners. Don't you see? And so they were picking on these that Jesus was, 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 was eating with. Now, these collaborators, to the rest of that nation, they were ostracized. They were like the pariah dog. They were marginalized. They were excluded. They were hated mostly because they were working for the hated Romans. And yet here was Jesus, the rabbi Jesus, the, the, the one who'd been preaching and healing and all the rest that he'd been doing. He was eating with sinners. And they said it that way too, by the way. Probably. At least in their heart. Yet so fully. Well, I still have to give you a little more understanding for this to really sink in what was going on. Because in the ancient Near East, especially in the Middle East, to eat someone, to eat at someone's home. Sorry, that was, that was totally unplanned. To eat at someone's home, to be invited to eat at someone's home, was one of the ways you honored people. You go to out to eat with somebody these days, and you might just, because they're, they're inviting you to a nice place, but still, if you go, you're honoring them with your presence. Well, to come to someone's home and to eat with them, or to, to invite someone to your home to eat with them, it was a way of affirming them. It was saying, I like this person, I believe in this person, I affirm this per person, I'm welcoming this person into my life, or I'm being welcomed into theirs. And so, in a sense, I was approved them as a person, or they're approving me as a person by inviting me, and demonstrating that this is my friend. I don't mind being associated with this person. So Jesus was doing all of that for this pariah dog tax gatherer and all these sinners. He's in there with him. Try to imagine, though, I mean, here's all the, the, the critics out here, but Levi is the one who's suddenly getting the air in his tire because Levi was just chosen. Imagine how that felt to Levi, that here the master has called me, the rabbi has called and has welcomed me. Not only did he call me, but he welcomed me. It was like he went from, he, uh, he went from a zero to a hero in one fell swoop. 
He went from nobody to somebody because all of a sudden he was chosen, he was called, and he was welcome. And don't let it escape your notice that it says there that there were many of them and they were following him. That's both disciples and tax gatherers and sinners, mostly tax gatherers and sinners. There were many of them at the house there. Here, Levi had only been a follower of Jesus for a few hours and he's already brought a house full of visitors to Jesus. Isn't that something? He's, he brought them all to follow Jesus as well. And they were following Jesus now. So Jesus called Levi. Jesus welcomed Levi. Now let's notice how Jesus transformed Levi. Because the moment Levi began to follow Jesus, the Lord began to do a transforming work in this tax man. This event is also recorded over in Luke chapter 5, verses 27 and following, and in Matthew 9, verses 9 and following. In all three records, though, we see this man who had been a collaborator... He, I mean, he had been a hated tax man. He was a man who had turned his back on his Jewish roots and traditions. He was a man who had turned his back on his God. He had effectively abandoned his Jewish identity so he could make a good living. Because, by the way, there was money in tax gathering. Okay, that's how you got to be a rich man in that day. That and, and religion. That man who was hated, he was the pariah dog, turned his back on his, 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 his nation. He went from darkness to light. That man, he, he went from the road to destruction to the road that leads to eternal life. He went in one moment from the hated tax man, Levi, to someone radically different. And by the way, let me tell you how radically it was. So complete and transformational was this, was this change that he even adopted a new name. He got a new name. Levi, by the way, was from the Old Testament, was the third son of Leah and Jacob. Jacob had 12 boys. The third one was named Levi. And Leah, the scripture says there in the book of Genesis, she named him Levi because Leah was the wife that was not loved. Now, she had six boys, but she was not loved, evidently, because he loved Rachel. We won't even get into all that. But the third boy's name was Levi, and Levi means joined or connected. That's what that means because she said out loud, now that I've given my husband three sons, surely I'll have a connection with him. Well, I hope so. After three boys... But that's what that name Levi means, connected. Like, like I'm, I'm going to be included now. I'm going to be connected now. I'm going to be joined now. Well, guess what Matthew means? Levi means that. Levi means gift of Jehovah. He went from just kind of tolerated and joined to now I'm gift of Jehovah. Just call me that from now on, okay? I'm telling you, it changed his life meeting the Savior, and of course it should. His name and his character went from Levi to Matthew. The change was so profound and permanent that when Matthew himself records this, he doesn't even call himself Levi. He's so completely left behind that old life and that old identity, he calls himself Matthew because Jesus called Levi. Jesus welcomed Levi. Jesus transformed and continued to transform Levi, but he still wasn't finished because we're going to see in the rest of the chapter here, the rest of these verses, that Jesus defended or Jesus protected Levi. Because as we read verses 16 and 17, we're going to notice an attack on Jesus, on Jesus' disciples, on the tax gatherers, and the sinners. Let's look at it in verses 16 and 17 one more time. And when the scribes of the Pharisees saw that he was eating with the sinners and tax gatherers, they began saying to his disciples, Why is he eating and drinking with tax gatherers and sinners? As if to say, don't you know that stuff rubs off? That's exactly what they're trying to say. Guilt by association. In verse 17, hearing this, Jesus said, It is not those who are healthy who need a physician, but those who are sick. Notice the attack on the character of Jesus. By association with the character of the tax gatherers and sinners, you're being tainted, Rabbi Jesus. You're being tainted, uh, teacher, preacher, man. 
attacking the teacher, attacking all of his students at the same time. And here here are these newly minted followers. They've only been following him now a few hours. They're already facing persecution and ridicule. And by the way, anytime you choose to genuinely follow Christ, you will face persecution, you will face ridicule. But rather than backing down and backing away from these folks, well, I didn't realize. You know, I, wow, can't be associated with that. No, Jesus didn't back away. Jesus didn't back down. Instead, he stepped forward to defend his own motives and to answer his critics. In verse 17, he gave them a first-class explanation and an eternally significant reason for his actions. Let me read 17 one more time. It is not those who are healthy who need a physician, but those who are sick. I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners. He said, I have come to these because they realize their great need. I've come to these because they see that they're broken and needing mending. I've come to these because they recognize and acknowledge their sin, and they're ready for a Savior. See, those who are sick, well, let me ask you this way. Have you ever been sick? Now, maybe you're one of those hard-headed folks like I've been. You know, you get really sick, and you're still like, I'm fine. I'm going to be all right. I ain't going to no doctor. But there comes that moment when you break over, and it's like, I'm sick. I need help. These people, like Levi and his friends, they had come to that place where they realized they were sick. They, it's like when you finally get to that place where you go ahead and admit that you're sick, you can identify, you know, I, I think I seriously have a problem. And not only do I finally admit that I really have a problem, but I'm ready for some relief. Amen? You get to that place sometime, I'm ready for some relief. And, and when you go finally to the doctor, it's like, Doc, I've, been, I've probably been needing to come see you for six months. Because he sees that all the time. Because you're not the only hard-headed person in the world. Just in case you're wondering. And so here this doctor finally gets to see her. You finally get to see the doctor. And you're kind of welcoming his diagnosis. And you'll gladly obey what he says because you're ready for some relief. Because when you're really ready, well, it's like you finally admit, I want to get well. Whatever it takes, Doc, just, just shoot it, cut it, I don't care. You're ready. Jesus himself took that metaphor and extended it to these men. He said, I didn't, call the, I didn't come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. To call the righteous, not the righteous, but the sinners to repentance. Jesus, the great physician, he was going to the sick to heal their broken relationship with the Father. That was what he was doing. He was calling, he was calling the sinner to a life of repentance. And by the way, repentance is not a one-time deal. You repent and come to God, but you may have to repent again. Repentance is a, is a lifetime. It's a, you, the sinners are called to a lifetime of turning from the old life to the new life. There's one salvation, but there's lots of repentance. Okay, that's the text. Where's the picture of salvation? I want to I wanna back up a little bit and, and just... That was, the, that was the teaching. Here's the preaching. Here it comes. Are you ready? Somebody said, oh, me. Isn't it amazing that Jesus has a way of calling us? And it's, it's so neat the way he does it. Because here Jesus is preaching to all. He's speaking to all. He's leading all. He's ministering to all. And yet as he's ministering to all, he still speaks to each. You ever notice that? In the middle of a crowd, Jesus is still speaking to you. The Lord had a way, the Lord still has a way by His Holy Spirit of speaking to a crowd, and no matter how large that crowd is, He speaks to a crowd, and yet at the same moment, He's speaking to your heart individually. Jesus, by His Spirit, speaks to us as we are, because we are the unique, special, uh, individual creations that we are. That's who He wanted us to be, who He made us to be. And even in a crowded arena or in a small group setting, Jesus calls us personally. And by the way, He calls us right where we are. 
There is no special place. There is no special circumstance that you have to fulfill before Jesus can speak to you. You can be at the Dairy Queen and Jesus can speak to you. You can be, I was watching Sesame Street one day and God spoke to me. I won't tell you what, someday it's a neat story though. But you never know where God's going to talk to you. He speaks to you where you are. And by the way, also, He speaks to you right how you are. He doesn't wait for you to get cleaned up. You don't have to do some great meritorious service for Him. And then He says, wow, that was a good job. Here, I'm going to offer you some salvation. No, He comes to you right where you are. Levi was at the tax booth, still doing his secular job. Jesus may come to you right there at your desk, at your job, or right there in your mail truck, or wherever you happen to be, and call you because it doesn't have some special merits, no special service. It doesn't have to have some really good reason. Jesus is calling. He's calling you, calling me by God's Spirit. And it's always just like it was with Levi. It's God's calling because it's His time. God's calling because it's His way. God's calling because it's His will. And God is giving us an opportunity. It's God giving the opportunity. And then just like with Levi, here's the thing. We have to make a choice. We have to make the choice. We either, we either, we either come or we don't. We make a choice. We either obey or we don't. We have to leave our old life, our old habits, our old priorities and circumstances, or we don't. But when anyone will, when anyone does respond in faith, and what I mean by that, responding in faith, we accept His invitation to come like Levi did. We accept Him as our substitute who paid our sin debt in full at the cross. We accept His resurrection as our new life. It's like when we declare Him Lord in ever-increasing love and obedience, Then Jesus has not only called us, but now He welcomes us. He welcomes you. He welcomes me. And just as Jesus did for Levi, or now Matthew, He approves. He's willing to be identified. By the way, did you know that Jesus is willing to be your God? Jesus is willing to be your Savior. He's willing someday to stand up before the Father and say, Yes, Lord, this one's mine. His banner over us is love. He is Jehovah Nissi. And His banner over you is love. And He will never disown you. He will never be ashamed of you by God's will and by God's Spirit. He approves us. He identifies with us. He affirms our decision and devotion even by placing within us His Holy Spirit so that we can have that new life. And you and I go from zero to hero in that one moment of grace. You and I go from nobody to somebody in that one moment of rebirth. You and I go from eternally an enemy of God to forever a beloved child of the King in a single moment of mercy. And we know all that because Jesus invited you to supper. You say, what? Yeah, Revelation chapter 3, verse 20. Jesus says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice, that's the calling. Remember that part? If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and will sup with him and he with me. Jesus is inviting you to dinner. The old life of shame, the old life of guilt, it's gone. He invites us to dinner and, and, and ongoing joy of inviting him into our lives. You see, not only does he welcome me to his table, I then have the joy of welcoming him to my table. I can, op- I can invite him to the, the table of my relationships. I can invite him to the table of my work life. I can invite him to the table of my leisure time or of my school time. See, Jesus called us, and then Jesus welcomes us. 
And now, according to His abundant power that is at work within us, as we've been saved, Jesus has and always will continue to transform us. You have been given a new name. He has given you a new name. In Christ, you are the beloved. He's not only given you a new name, He's given you a new future, heaven. He's not only given you a new name and a new future, He's given you a new priority, which is Christ in us, the hope of glory. And He's given you a new identity. You are a child of the one true King. You're not that failure you used to be. You're not that mistake that people used to tell you you are. That old life of shame and guilt is gone. No longer a sinner, now a saint. No longer unrighteous, but right in the eyes of God. No longer lost, but found. No longer fearful, but courageous. And I don't want to go back to that old life. I have no desire. Romans 6 talks about that going back and sinning anyway because we have been granted the grace of God. But going back. That old life is gone. The new life is here to stay, as it says in 2 Corinthians 5, 17. If any man is in Christ, he is a new creature, a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, new things have come, or all things have become new. So don't forget, number four, Jesus is going to defend and protect you, just like he did Levi. To follow, the, to follow Jesus means we will be picked on. We will be ridiculed, we'll be marginalized, we'll be attacked because of the name of Jesus. Hey, don't be surprised if they hate you because they hated Jesus first. They picked on Jesus first because all, even in our day, as it was in that day, but in our day, followers of truth will be called liars. In our day, followers of true wisdom will be called ignorant because we've got the wisdom of God and because we believe this book, we're called ignorant. Really? Followers in our day of real progress will be called backwards. Followers of real welcome and inclusion will be called intolerant. Followers of genuine equality will be called bigoted. And followers of the pure law of God will be called judgmental. And I, you know what? I don't care what they call you. They may call you a dozen crooked things. But I know this. Jesus calls you His. Jesus calls you child of the one true King. And, and it's neat that He Himself says, I will speak up on your behalf. Jesus one day will stand, and as I mentioned before, in, in Matthew 10, 32, Jesus says this. It's in the red. I read it. It says this, Everyone, therefore, who shall confess me before men, I will also confess him before my Father who is in heaven. Hey, that's what this baptism was all about this morning. That's why we do that publicly, to confess before men that I'm following Jesus. And Jesus one day is going to stand up and say, Nathan is mine. Bring him in. Brianna is mine. Bring her in. Got a mansion all ready for. And also, not only will he speak up before God in our behalf, but he'll speak up before men in our behalf. The scripture says in Proverbs chapter 16, verse 7, that when a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. But not only that, sometimes Jesus will just defend us right out in front of God and everybody. You remember that time when Paul was on his way to Damascus and he had in his hot little hands those warrants for arrest. He's going to go out there and get all those crazy Christians, those people been preaching that Christ arose. We're going to take our warrant down there. He's going to go bring them back in chains to Jerusalem to be tried for treason against the Jewish people. And he's ready to go and he's on his way to Damascus. He's got the hatred in his heart for anybody that follows Christ. And all of a sudden he meets Christ. You remember how that happened? God put him right on the ground. And Jesus said this to Saul. He said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Now, if I'd have been Saul, I said, I'm not persecuting you. I don't know who you are. I'm persecuting these crazy Christians. But see, Jesus took it very personally. You persecute one of his, you're persecuting him. And Jesus will defend us. Jesus will protect us. Jesus calls us his own, and he brings us into that place. Now, 
Let me give you the invitational explanation. The explanation that he gives here is part of it. I have to make it personal because I want you to understand that this is how I came to Christ. How and why? What was the reason Jesus? What was the reason I came to Jesus? What was the reason Robert came to Jesus? Jesus called and drew that 16-year-old kid that I was back then. He called me because Jesus knew that I was broken in my sin and in, that I needed a Savior. There was no way I could fix myself. There was no way I could heal myself. There was no way I could work my way to heaven. He saw that. He knew that. Jesus saw that. And then in that moment, at 16 years of age, he helped that 16-year-old kid to see it too. Just like he did Levi. When Jesus spoke to me and said, follow me. And you can look around yourself in this church right here. And everybody you see, every person that's a member of the body of Christ is an admitted sinner. Do you know that? Church is the only place in the world you have to admit that you're too bad to get in in order to join. Everybody here is a convicted sinner. We admitted it. That's how we got in. That's how God brought us in, convicted by our own conscience, guilty before the law of God. But thank God, every one of us, not only convicted of sin, but every one of us forgiven by a saving, redeemer, healer of souls, Jesus Christ our Lord. Jesus, let me, let me clarify something for you just in case you're wondering. Jesus didn't come to make religious people better. Amen? Jesus didn't come to even make bad people good. Jesus came into a world of people who were dead in their sin to bring them to new life. Jesus came to make dead people live in Him. And that's what He's still doing today. He does that through the, 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 the message of the gospel as it goes forth. One final thought and I'm done. Back in verse 14. I asked you to put that on the sticky side of your mind. As He passed by. Jesus did come to Levi, but understand it was up to Levi to follow Jesus. We have the same choice to make. Think about it. Levi could have just dismissed this call of the Savior. He could have heard that and said, you know, he couldn't be talking to me. He doesn't know how bad I am. Or he could have thought, hey, he doesn't, there's no reason for him to be talking to me. I, he doesn't know what a good guy I am. I'm a good old boy. He could have thought either one of those things. He could have dismissed the call of the Savior. But as Jesus passed by, he called Levi. Levi heard the call of a forgiving Savior. Today, <clears throat> Jesus has passed by us. Some of the wonderful worship that we have, we've had today. He passed by you and me, maybe in the message of the, the invitation, or maybe in the message of the sermon. But when you look around you all this morning, <clears throat> you see those who, who heard, who found Jesus passing by. Maybe that person down the pew from you heard Jesus passing by in the, in the words of a gospel tract that they picked up at some table somewhere. And there are people who got saved reading a gospel tract. That's why we give them out. They heard Jesus, perhaps, passing by in the message of a gospel song, and somehow it just affected them all the way to their core, and they cried out to God. Maybe they heard Jesus passing by when some friend came to their house and took them step by step through that Roman road of salvation. Maybe they heard Jesus passing by at an altar call at a youth camp or during refreshments at vacation Bible school. But Jesus is calling. And make sure you understand this. Jesus never misses anybody but anybody can miss Jesus. And be certain of that. We can ignore His loving call. We could be that person. I mean, maybe you're here this morning and you've heard Jesus calling to you this day and maybe you've actually had it run through your mind. Well, that couldn't be for me. I, I'm okay. That couldn't be for me. I, I'm too bad. That couldn't be for me. He couldn't be calling me. I need to get cleaned up first. 
He is passing by this morning, and he never misses anybody, but you can miss him. You see, he's here this morning to touch the untouchable. He's here this morning to heal the unhealable. He's here this morning to minister to the broken and weary. Matter of fact, he's here this morning to save. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. Levi accepted the invitation. Have you? Have you accepted his invitation to you? Some of us here today have heard Jesus passing by, and he said, you need to, you need to join that church. You've heard Jesus passing by, and you've heard him say, you need to, to re- rededicate your life. Maybe you've heard Jesus passing by, and he said, you need, to, you need to go ahead and surrender and be saved today. We're going to have a moment of invitation in just a couple of minutes. And whatever it is that God has been calling for you to do, I'm going to encourage, I'm going to ask you, I'm going to invite you to do that. These altars will be open for prayer. We'll be praying for you. And if you've never been saved, Jesus is ready to transform your life so radically, give you a brand new start and a brand new name. Let's pray.